This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Vanity Fair. Hello and welcome to Little Gold Men, the award season podcast from Vanity Fair. I am delighted and proud to introduce him as Academy Award winner. And the Oscar goes to... And the Oscar goes to the winner. It's a tie. And any little girl who's who's practicing their speech on the telly, you never know. Mom, I just want an Oscar. I am Katie Rich. I'm here for today's interview episode with David Canfield. Hello. David, this is our last episode before Oscar voting ends. If you're an Oscar voter and you haven't sent your ballot in, you have hours left. Please get it done. Um, And you've got a really uh, lovely interview to cap off the season, I think. You sat down with Janet Yang, who is the president of the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences, and Bill Kramer, who is the CEO. And truly, between the two of them, uh, the Academy as we know it exists. Um, And I think their, their roles get overlooked a lot of times this time of year, you know, we think of the Oscars as being gowns and spectacle, but they're really the people who keep the whole thing running. And um, I'm imagining that you, as I would, really treasured the opportunity to kind of get their perspective on this season as a whole. Yeah, what a treat, um, especially since these two have been seen as stabilizers uh, mm-hmm. in the Academy to some extent. It had a tumultuous few years um, and they've been, you know, more recent leadership um, yeah. with this organization in the last few Oscars. Um, particularly the last one, uh, went over quite well. Jimmy Kimmel has been host for both years in which they've jointly run this organization. And more generally, um, I think there's a sense of the Academy understanding its priorities right now and trying to get back on track. Yeah, it feels like we're getting into this period where, you know, the centennial of the Oscars is not so far away. So they've gotten the the Oscars in this really steady place. You know, it feels like there's steady hands behind it, like you said. And maybe it's time to start looking toward the future. They've got the Academy Museum off the ground. They've they've proven they can accomplish big things. So I'm, I'm hoping that that sense of optimism is something they're feeling, too. Definitely. The real focus for me, uh, given that we are in the midst of voting and we had a pretty historic nomination showing, uh, was for international films, particularly. And how that is really reflective of the Academy's efforts to globalize and really push themselves in terms of who is representing the Oscars, which are, you know, among, if not the most prestigious awards in film, Um, especially because this year, not that it was controversial, but it was the reason why, for example, Greta Gerwig was probably not nominated for Best Director. Mm-hmm, you had mm-hmm. the director's branch, which is even more disproportionately international, going for European directors uh, more so. So it's an interesting conversation and one that they were very game to have. 
Yeah, it's a real um, interesting problem they've created them for themselves in which their members are, are considering too many good movies to be able How to nominate all they? of them. <laughs> uh, we prefer that to some other Oscar years we've had recently, though. Indeed. <laughs> well, I'm excited to hear all about it. Let's hear your conversation with the Academy's Bill Kramer and Janet Yang. Okay, we have the Academy President Janet Yang and Academy CEO Bill Kramer here. I am so thrilled to have them. Welcome to you both. Hi, David. Thank you. Hi, David. Thank you for being here again. As listeners of this podcast know, uh, and as they also feel, uh, I am a, a big fan of the project of the Oscars, this tradition that evolves and changes and and I think grows uh, as this medium changes and grows. So I would love to start by asking the both of you how you define that project these days. And within that, if you could maybe give us a little insight into your respective roles uh, within the organization. Um, we both started around the same time. We we knew right off the bat, of course, that the Oscars is what the Academy is best known for. We've also learned there's so many other things that the Academy does that are that are equally important. But when it comes to the Oscars, it is a fascinating project. I like the way you put that because it is traditional. It's been around for a long time. So much of the industry revolves around it. And it becomes the focus of a lot of other industry activities. But at the same time, the industry is also changing and audiences are changing and the way audiences watch things are changing. So we'd like to think we're being innovative and entrepreneurial while still preserving the legacy and the traditions that people love and expect from the Oscars. Hmm. I'll hand it to you now, Bill. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Janet. So, David... Um, you asked, you know, uh, what our role is. I'm chief executive officer of the academy, which means that I lead our team of over 700 employees for in our year-round work. So mm-hmm. obviously, people know us for the Oscars. It is the biggest award show in cinema in the world. Mm-hmm. Definitely defines our brand. Continues to. It's it's one of the many ways we recognize and celebrate cinema. We also have our Governor's Awards, our SciTech Awards, our Student Academy Awards, but we also have the world's largest film museum. We're a preserver and a curator and a programmer of film history. Uh, We have the largest film-related collection in the world, over 23 million Mm -hmm. items across disciplines, props, costumes, scripts, photographs. We've been collecting since the 1920s. No one has a collection of this scale. We're also a membership organization. We have 11,000 members, global members. These are film artists and professionals of the highest caliber across disciplines. So all of this is to say, when I think about our future, obviously the Oscars are a huge part of it, but we're really planning for our next 100 years and thinking about a much more holistic way of thinking about the Academy. We sit in a space that is really about centering the work of the global film community across disciplines, genres, eras, areas. So the Oscars will always be a huge part of the work that we do, but we're so much more than that. And then the last thing I'll say is we're we're a nonprofit arts organization. Mm-hmm. 
albeit a big one, um, but we're constantly thinking about how we diversify our support, reach new groups of stakeholders, film lovers around the world, filmmakers, students around the world. So, uh, you know, getting back to the Oscars, it plays a critical role in sort of creating a focal point for a lot of this activity and will always be key and central to our work, but we do so much more. And a lot of what Janet and I have been leaning into is really promoting these other areas of our work as an academy. Um, and, and we're seeing great response to that. Mm. And since Bill so clearly stated his role, I suppose I should do it as well. Um, I am the president, which means I'm the president of the Board of Governors. We are volunteers. We, uh, technically speaking, though it doesn't seem like this on a day-to-day -day basis, <laughs> Bill reports to us because we set the strategy. We set the strategy. And I feel like one of the, the most important things that we do is to kind of create the culture around the academy and set the tone. And we've really tried in, in recent years, and by the way, Bill and I started around the same time, which is truly one of the greatest gifts that we, I think both of us can can enjoy because we could look at everything from top to bottom and really, really um, not rely on sort of same old, same old, but just evaluate everything. And uh, we've been so fortunate to be so aligned on, on the way we, we approach things and how important we see iterating and innovating for the future and finding just the exact right balance between, again, preserving preserving the legacy of the Academy and the Oscars, as well as staying relevant mm -hmm. and bringing in younger generations. I'm David Remnick, host of the New Yorker Radio Hour. There's nothing like finding a story you can really sink into that lets you tune out the noise and focus on what matters. In print or here on the podcast, The New Yorker brings you thoughtfulness and depth and even humor that you can't find anywhere else. So please join me every week for The New Yorker Radio Hour, wherever you listen to podcasts. Wondry's new podcast, Blame It on the Fame, dives into one of pop music's greatest controversies. Millie Vanilli set the world on fire, but when their adoring fans learned about the infamous lip-syncing, their downfall was swift and brutal. With exclusive interviews from frontman Fab Morvan and his producers Frank Farian and Ingrid Segeith, this podcast takes a fresh look at the exploitation of two young Black artists. Binge all episodes of Blame It on the Fame, Millie Vanilli, ad-free right now on Wondery Plus. The main thing I'd like to focus on today is uh, really what we're seeing is the internationalization in many ways of the Oscars. Um, because uh, as you were saying earlier, Bill, this is a core component of what you're focusing on, this global film community, and it's very reflected in this year's nominations. So what about focusing more on international, bringing in more international members, expanding the reach beyond the Oscars, does reflect this effort that both of you are talking about to look toward the future and to sort of plan for these next hundred years. It, it's, yeah. it's definitely a big part. The world is definitely getting smaller. Communication across national boundaries is 
is now the norm, you know, and everything, uh, even in, in the recent years that we've seen the change of more international presence in our nominations, that I think will become more the norm as well. And that reflects our, the internationalization of our membership. So it is uh, interesting how quickly <laughs> that can be, you know, the evidence of, of, of the change of membership is, is reflected in the nominations. And uh, there's so much talent around the world, and we really think it creates for a much more robust and interesting academy to recognize that. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. I mean, David Global is is a core component of our future, and the strategic planning that we're doing right now as an organization. I, I think one of the silver linings of the pandemic is that people were engaging with movies in a way that we had not seen before. The lines between international classic cinema, documentaries, animation blurred a bit. People were really, I mean, people were at home watching films. And I, I think the approach to engaging with cinema has become much more global. And I think the Academy sits at the center of that. So as Janet said, we're much more global as a membership than we used to be. 25% of our members are non-US. You're seeing this reflected in our nominations, international uh, cinema beyond the international feature film category. Mm -hmm. International cinema is reflected in many more categories. And you see it again this year. And I think for the Academy to evolve with the way film lovers, the film industry, um, filmmakers are, are working in cinema, engaging with cinema, we need to become more global. And we're doing it. Uh, and the last thing I'll say on this is we're seeing a lot of great interest in becoming an Academy partner and supporter from global individuals, organizations, companies, so a big part of our work is bringing those stakeholders closer to us as we evolve into a much more uh, globally focused organization. It's interesting that it was just three years ago where director Bong Joon-ho talked about subtitles being an obstacle. And now that obstacle has seemed to dissolve overnight. And that was in large part because of the pandemic and because people are just used to it. I know younger generations like looking at subtitles, even when it's in their native language, because they they feel they won't miss any of the dialogue. So a lot of habits are changing. I think years ago, we would have probably done this interview in person and <laughs> now we're on Zoom. <laughs> You're not wrong. Uh, I've, never done a, I've never done a little Goldman interview in person because I haven't been here long enough. <laughs> um, it's, it's fascinating, though, and I'm a huge proponent of international cinema. I, it has been so exciting to me this year, particularly, to hear people talk about seeing The Zone of Interest and Anatomy of a Fall, who I don't think would have sought it out. Uh, otherwise, but receiving all of these Oscar nominations uh, has brings them into that conversation a little bit more. Um, there is still, I think, a, a perception and understanding, I mean, just even in box office, that these movies are not as big, say, as some films that perhaps would have been nominated instead, right, in another era of the Academy. How do you balance the fact that international cinema is still a growing genre here, a growing category here with the needs to meet 
a big audience with an Oscars broadcast, say. Is that something you're thinking about as you're talking about this expansion? Yeah, absolutely. And we think about this year round, but especially as we uh, move into awards season and the show, obviously the more people are watching movies and the more those movies are nominated, there's renewed interest in the show. So those those points are, are linked. Mm-hmm. But I think people are engaging with cinema in so many different ways now. It's sort of like when we think about the metric for success around the Oscars, yes, we want millions and millions and millions of people around the world to watch at night of. We're in 200 regions and countries, but there's also the plus seven who's watching it for the following week on Hulu, uh, who's watching components of the evening on social. We have a huge social media component that's really grown in the last two years, both for the Academy and specifically for the show. So I think we have to think very carefully about how people are watching movies. Yes, Uh, People are still watching them in theaters. That's so important to us. People are also watching films at home on streaming. Um, So there are many ways to define viewership and success, both in the films and with the Oscars. And I think over the next several years, we'll be thinking very carefully about how all of that is linked. We're clearly living in a time of great change, and it's a balancing act always, but we're constantly engaging with our members, our governors, with with the industry at large, and getting temperature reads about, you know, what are we ready to do? What are we not ready to do? And I think it's a, it's a really healthy conversation. And I see our role at the Academy as being one of a, a leadership role because we represent so many different disciplines, each discipline that is working in the industry. And we need to hear from everybody because so many of us are going through the the same thing. So we like to try and if we're possible, speak more as one voice and look at look at the industry overall mm. with with our partners. Yeah. A couple structural questions I'd love to ask you uh, along the lines of this international topic. Um, the first is about the date of the Oscars. Janet, we were talking uh, just before we started recording about just making sure everything gets seen, right? Every Academy member is very dedicated to that, um, but it is a lot of films. And it is kind of an open secret that a lot of times it's the international movies, those nominated, that are seen later on, that haven't been seen as widely going into the final phase of voting. Um it's my understanding that it is important for the Oscars to have a certain amount of runway to make sure that those movies particularly are seen. Um, <laughs> so do you, do you view it as making sure people have enough time to see everything? And on the other hand, do you ever have fears that perhaps you're coming too late at this, in, in the cycle of award season, which is something people say from time to time? Mm. Mm. For different reasons. I, I think what you're saying is that some people, because there's so much focus on Oscars, and there's so many awards leading up to that. And, you know, yes. so far we haven't found a better date mm-hmm. <laughs> because of all these factors, the push-pull of giving people enough time to see the films, to be able to, you know, as you know, we have a couple of different benchmarks. Some branches have short lists. So mm-hmm. there's that. And then you need enough time for people to then see the short list to vote for the final nominees, et cetera, et cetera. So far, this date seems to be the one. I I know in the past it's floated a little bit, but um, it would 
be pretty disruptive to a lot of other, not just awards, but festivals, because so many things, again, are built around this. I don't, what do you think, Bill? Do we Are we looking hmm. for another date? I, I, mean, I mean, David, you, you're asking a question that comes up <laughs> every year and, and a lot during our award season. But I, I would say right now there's no plan to radically shift the time of year uh, where we produce the Oscars. Everything is very linked to ensuring that our branches who create shortlists, you know, have enough time to vet the films, watch the films, and then have all our members watch the films. Same with those uh, disciplines and awards that don't have shortlists. So there's a pretty rigorous structure in place. But I will say with all of this, it is so important that our members watch the movies before they vote. And we are really promoting that this year. It's going very well. So we will constantly be looking at date versus timeline of watching films, creating short lists, everything that goes into our very rigorous process for the Oscars. So it's um, it's where it is right now. And there are no, again, big plans to move the time of year where we host the Oscars, but it's something we're constantly looking at as part of a bigger calendaring of Academy activities. I think the good news is that the level of engagement is greater than ever, both in terms of numbers and also uh, you may have noticed we talked about how members from 93 countries Mm -hmm. voted. And all of this is really good news to us because people are truly engaged. So we we do want to make sure people have enough time to vote. And as it is, you know, some people are like, oh my God, I how do I <laughs> how do I watch all these films? And then they and then they do and feel very good about it. Hmm. I wonder if you could both say a little bit more about uh, the the work around the Oscars that you'd referred to earlier, Bill, um, along these lines, like what part of the extension effort um, is is visible to, or maybe less visible to people like me that you're doing behind the scenes? That's a great question. And it's a lot of the work you will see us do over the next several years as we mm-hmm. head toward our 100th anniversary. But, you know, having the world's largest film-related collection – 23 million items. Again, I love saying that stat. Staggering. <laughs> it is. And, and the, the, these. The, this is across disciplines, global, domestic. We really are the key organization in the world that's preserving our film history and serving as a research tool for scholars, for filmmakers, for authors. So we're a key part of that ecosystem. I want that brought to the world in a bigger way. Our museum, which has now been open for over two years, incredibly successful. Um, We have an amazing John Waters exhibition up right now, Agnes Varda, Godfather, Casablanca. Uh, Our Regeneration, the History of Black Cinema exhibition is touring. It's in Detroit right now. So all of this is connected to the work that we're doing in terms of promoting film history, exploring film history from an academy lens. 
So that will continue to be a big focal point for us. And another leg of this stool is our talent development work. We want to provide opportunities for emerging filmmakers. We want to inspire young filmmakers. And we want to encourage um, members of communities who are traditionally underrepresented in our film industry to engage with the work of both the academy and the film world. So all of these components to the academy are core to our mission and our work. And you will see this becoming more of a talking point and a focal point as we move forward. I'm Rachel Martin. You probably know how interview podcasts with famous people usually go. There's a host, a guest, and a light Q&A. But on Wildcard, we have ripped up the typical script. It's a new podcast from NPR where I invite actors, artists, and comedians to play a game using a special deck of cards to talk about some of life's biggest questions. Listen to Wildcard wherever you get your podcasts, only from NPR. This season, I, I can't remember the academy, a year in which the Academy has announced as many, I'd say, significant evolutions, you know, the addition of a new award, uh, new branches just today as we record uh, feature animation. Uh, and also one that I wanted to ask you about that I think is related, which is a theatrical requirement that will be uh, introduced uh, to the nominees, uh, over the, I think in 2025, correct? Correct. That's right. That's right. How do you see this as important to this whole part of the conversation, especially since, as you mentioned, the world is evolving Theatrical habits are changing. This was an amazing year for that. We have Barbie and Oppenheimer at the top of the ticket. But uh, we are in a changing landscape. So I'm curious how you see that as related to this requirement. Yeah. yeah. I um, And David, I appreciate you using the word evolution. You know, evolution is an important word as a word for us. And it's something that we're using a lot, both internally and with our members in terms of policies, procedures, and components of our work. Everything is evolving. We sit in two worlds, the film world and the nonprofit arts and culture world. Both are going through radical business model shifts right now. For the Academy to remain relevant, we need to evolve. So uh, what happened today, creating a, an animation branch and a short films branch, really separating a branch that had been combined. As part of that work, we're listening to our members. We're acknowledging that these are distinct disciplines and areas in our film world. So we as an academy need to adapt and evolve with the needs of a changing industry and filmmaking community. Same with the Casting Directors Award. Um, with theatrical eligibility, this is an ongoing conversation for us. I, I want to be clear that that is for next year's Oscars, and it's only for Best Picture. And it simply says that you need to play in 10 markets mm -hmm. for a week. It's not onerous. We understand that the theatrical landscape is changing. We do want to honor the fact that you know, seeing a film in a theater for many of our filmmakers is critical to their work as artists and scientists and technologists. So we want to encourage that, but we also want to understand better how people are engaging with cinema. So we're constantly iterating around all of these topics. And I think you'll see more evolutionary moves to come. And I want to give Janet a big shout out on this as president of our board of governors. She is the member who is leading a lot of this discussion and work. And I have to say, in all of my time at the Academy, I was the director and president of the museum before this. And before that, I was the head of fundraising and external affairs for the museum. But 
I've never seen the academy in such a great place in terms of members and governors coming together for productive conversations that are civilized. We don't always agree, but there there is a sense of all of us locking arms and moving forward together as an organization that is incredibly powerful. And uh, it's been such a pleasure to have these conversations and to move through these evolutions together. Uh, And and it's exactly the work that we should be doing as such a high-profile, film-centric organization. If not us, then whom? Hmm. I agree. The, the, The genuine respect and warmth that our board has with one another is really heartening because we could not be facing these big issues without that. It's it's not contentious. It's really thoughtful. The conversations we have are, are very, very thoughtful, and we're constantly looking at solutions. And that's how we arrived at the eligibility rules for best picture. You know, we talk about campaign regulations. We talk about equity. So we hear from people who represent all the full spectrum from very small indie distributors, perhaps, or giant studios or whatever. And somewhere in there, we try to find the solution with this incredibly wide range of of opinions. The other uh, structural element I wanted to ask you about was that casting Oscar, um, (laughs) which is very exciting uh, to me. I think it's a a great development. Um, Decades in the making. Decades decades in the making. making. (laughs) Yes. Uh, We've had people who have passionately called for it writing into this show, so I know they're happy. Um, I'm, I'm wondering how you see the evolution of these categories in tandem with the evolution of the show. There was some reporting yeah. that came out about the the nature of the fact that uh, adding categories is not a simple uh, mm-hmm. procedure. Um, and clearly you are looking to expand to the full spectrum of filmmaking. It's always been what the Oscars want to do uh, in terms of what's being honored. So how do you see the actual show evolving along, along these lines as you do continue to refine how you honor the filmmaking? I feel really proud that we were able to pass that casting awards uh, proposal because it says, in theory, in principle, we want this to happen and we will make it happen, even if we don't know exactly what it's going to look like, because that's been something that Mm -hmm. has been an obstacle in the past. And, you know, we all know the show is going to evolve and we all know we have to make room for other awards likely and be flexible. And we also know that under the current contract with ABC, we cannot add more awards on the show. So that's, and we gave ourselves a nice long runway to discuss how we're gonna get there. But the fact that we agree in principle that this should happen is a really a a big step forward, even without knowing the exact specifics. And I think we're gonna have some really great conversations in the next year or so to discuss how that will be. We're also incredibly fortunate that we have the museum as this incredible, amazing showcase for people's talents and for members to engage. And that gives us, uh, you know, an extra place to think of where we can have activities and what else we might do. It's becoming um, there. The Oscar night at the museum is going to be very exciting. Bill and I won't be there, but, you know, they're working in close tandem with us to really amplify everything that we're doing and then and then some. And uh, we feel there that we will find the right solution. Hmm. And David, one thing I'll add to that is we have incredible partners in ABC. 
and they are very eager to continue to evolve the show and our relationship. So this is an ongoing iterative conversation. And I, I think it's exciting. And I think it's part of moving into the next century as an academy in a very thoughtful way. Well, I'll close by asking the two of you uh, anything you can share that you're excited about for this upcoming show. I know there's very little you can tell me, but um, <laughs> I, I, I've, been, I've said this on the show this season. I think this is the best, best picture lineup I've seen in the years that I've covered this, the Oscars. I really believe that, particularly for the scale of films. You have huge movies, you have small movies and everything in between. How do you think the show will reflect that? Yeah, I think you will definitely see, and we have seen, incredible interest in the show this year. Um, and I think the show is going to be wildly entertaining. You saw our first presenters release today. We have incredible presenters. There's going to be some great performances. And this combination of Barbie and Oppenheimer being huge theatrical successes last year, coupled with intimate films and international films. There's so much uh, depth and breadth of cinema that we're celebrating that night. Uh, it really speaks to the power of the Academy and the work that we do. Anything to add, Janet? <laughs> I just... Uh, you know, last year we just thought if we had a show that was very solid and crisis-free, we'd be in great shape. And I think we pulled that off. <laughs> you did. And now the bar is higher uh, and we're trying to make it even that much more exciting and fresh. And and we have the benefit again of all these wonderful films. So we're going to be trying a few things and, and um, we have a wonderful, you'll be seeing in the next, you know, days and weeks, the list of presenters. So it will be a lot of feeling of old Hollywood and new Hollywood, we think, and bringing the best of both worlds together. That sounds a lot like the project of the Oscars to me. <laughs> That's right. That does it for today's show. We'll be back on Thursday with our very special annual 20 years previous Oscar flashback and discussing lots of other things as well. Find us in the meantime at Vanity Fair on social media at VF Awards Insider. I am out there at Katie Rich and David. David Canfield, 97. Our editor and producer, as always, is Brett Fuchs. The Run for Revoke is where you'll meet all the most exciting people in fashion and culture. I am Fran Libowitz. Um, we should be the mayor of New York. We all support yeah, that. we support that. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. Nikki. Yes. It's been really great she being in this beautiful pink room. All right, Asher, can you hear us? I can hear you. All right. Can you hear me? We can. We can. All right, here we are. <laughs> On the podcast, you'll learn how Vogue really works. Sometimes we'll come in for a second or even third run through until we are AWOK. Can you tell us what AWOK means? It means um, A-W-O-K, and a winter OK. I'm Cho Minardi. And I'm Chloe Mal. And we're the hosts of The Run Through with Vogue, where fashion and culture collide. Join us. It's AWOK. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.